Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Cesar Espino. He's an influencer, number one international bestseller book author, real estate investor, mind coach, and much more. He has lots going on, so I'll leave it to him to tell you more. So thank you for joining us, Cesar, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. I'm so excited to be here, Patricia. Thank you so much for uh, having me. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm doing a lot of different things. Except I always go back to the beginning, and and I, I one of the things that I uh, realize now that who I am is who I was born uh, at the beginning, right? And so my story really starts with that. I'm originally from uh, Mexico, and uh, I came here when I was ten. Except again, my story started when when I was born. I was only born to one parent, and what I mean by that is that I've never met my um, biological father. Uh, to this day, I don't even know his name. I don't know nothing about mm-hmm. the guy. Uh, as a matter of fact, my last names were taken from from my mom's side, okay. uh, from her parents, mm-hmm. and so um, I never really, uh, you know, uh, had that, that that fatherhood we made growing up, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was born into a very uh, poor society, in my opinion, with just uh, my mom, my grandmother, my older brother. And uh, we didn't really have a, a whole lot growing up. And as I mentioned, I got here when I was 10. And even between the the time that I was born to the time of, of being 10, there were so many different things that I went through as mm-hmm. a kid uh, that uh, for sure I wouldn't condemn anyone to do to go through. Except that was my reality, right? And I think that's what kind of shaped me of who I am now. Right. Yeah, I could totally relate, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that, which doesn't break you, makes you stronger, right? Yeah, exactly. So I guess speaking on all that, can you take us back to your early years in Mexico City and share how the living conditions and the absence of your biological father shape your determination and work ethic? Yeah, definitely. Um, so again, uh, for me, uh, I, I still remember as if it was yesterday and we were just, you know, the, the four of us and we were living in, in a very poor condition. You know, I, I, I tell you know, if you, if you know a lot about Mexico, you know, there's there's really uh, social classification. You really yeah. see the economic changes between families, right? And we're definitely the bottom of the bottom, right? We didn't have really anything. Yeah. And um, I remember growing up in what I considered to be a home, uh, yet it wasn't really, it was just uh, uh, over 250 square feet of space, right? So that was our home. And it was not even our land, to be honest with you. We were renting this from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no running water, no electricity. Uh, it was made out of plywood and sheet metal. And it was r- really right on top of the dirt. Except, again, that was our home. And mm-hmm. that, those that, that, those were our living conditions, right? And I remember, you know, really just... Uh, uh, not having a whole lot to, to do uh, as we were growing up. And then when I turned, just after I turned 40 years, right, uh, uh, my mother, th- three months after I turned 40 years, my mom decided to take her own leap of faith, uh, and she decided to uh, leave Mexico to come to the States, leaving my older brother and, my, and myself behind with my grandmother. Now, as a kid, you know, you don't re- you don't re- recognize what's going on, and, and there's so many things that are going on. And I know for me, growing up, is like, 
you know, was it me? What happened? You know, I don't have a father. Now my mom left me. And you start thinking all these things, like you start blaming yourself, right? And again, obviously now I know and recognize the sacrifice that she made, except again, she ended up leaving, right? And, 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 and I had for many years, I had that sense of abandonment, you know, you know, I've been abandoned to an extent. And so, uh, and nevertheless, that created a, a, a turning point or a pivotal moment in my life because as it is already, we were already poor, except this time we were actually forced to work. And so we were pretty much working. We used to go to the, uh, the Tiangis or like a Swadmi and we used to sell cookies and taquitos and a bunch of other things just so that we can make some money. And, you know, uh, we were doing it for many years. Uh, one thing that I, I, I am very grateful is that my grandmother, she really supported education and she wanted us to go to school. So we never were taken out of school. Uh, nevertheless, we were really working really hard. So we were in school, come out of school. I didn't have the ability to play with kids or do any of that stuff um, because I had to get back to work. I remember one one occasion, or multiple occasions, but one specific occasion where um, I wanted to play with the kids in the neighborhood. And like in many Hispanic countries, soccer is a big sport. Right. And so uh, a lot of the, uh, the neighborhood kids were playing soccer and I went out and played soccer with them and after school. And I remember my grandmother came out with a belt and started, you know, beating me and like, get back to work. Right. Happened, right? And, and I'm like, you know, I don't, I, I don't blame her. I mean, I, I, I get it now. We had to, we didn't have the luxury. There was times that we didn't really have anything to eat. I always say that we had the, the Mexican specialty dish, which is really a tortilla with a grain of salt. And that's all we had to eat from days in and days out. And so, uh, you know, we were doing that for many years. And, and, and again, I, I, you know, we didn't have any contact with mom. We had uh, letters from my mom that she was sent from, from the U.S., Wow. But nothing, you know, her coming this way. And then uh, we, I said, we graduated from selling at the Swanee because it wasn't going too good. So my grandmother decided to get three sewing machines, one sewing machine for herself, for my older brother and for my, for myself. And so we started sewing clothing for, uh, for dolls and that's, you know, working on that. And, and so to this point, if anybody needs uh, <laughs> any uh, Halloween custom, I see it. <laughs> um, nevertheless, I learned that from that, right? Sorry. And so, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, we had to like uh, do as much clothing as we can. And mm -hmm. I remember we were taking this like 50 gallon bags on, on the bus, like hour and a half from the house to be able to get paid. And mm -hmm. luckily, we never got robbed. You know, everything went good. Except, mm -hmm. again, we'll, like, try to make as many 50-gallon uh, bags of clothing, take it to the factory, get paid, and come back and do it all over again, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was my life uh, growing up. My mom came when I was seven. And at that time, she had the means to be able to come uh, to the States and uh, to, to Mexico uh, legally. And uh, she came, and interesting thing happened. And to this day, I still don't understand why. Nevertheless, my mom said, hey, guys or kids, we're going to go to uh, the U.S. Um, for a vacation. And uh, and we did. We came to the U.S. for two months. We went to every, So I live in, in Los Angeles, SoCal. We went to Disneyland, to Magic Mountain, to all of these oh. beautiful places, right. Universal Studios. And for one, I felt like, wow, like I have things that I never had. I had clothes now. I had shoes. Like, because right. we didn't, I didn't have any of that stuff in Mexico. And then I feel like it's like a fairy tale. Just like that, it ended. Because after those two months... You know, I'm, I'm here going to sleep and the next morning I'm, I'm, I'm heading back to Mexico. And to this day, I realized like we went through all this trouble. And by the way, I'm being fully transparent. I didn't come here legally. We had to cross, you know, like you see the movies, we had to actually cross illegally when I was seven. Uh, we were hiding from, from the chopper and all that stuff. 
And I'm thinking to myself, we went through all of that. We crossed the river. We went through all of that for two months. And now I'm going back. back. Yeah. I don't understand that concept. And I asked my mom many years later. And she said, uh, I wanted you guys to finish uh, elementary school in, in Mexico. So you guys can start fresh in the U.S. And to me, that doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, they all have yeah. their, their reasons, right? And so we went back. And now I'm going back to my normal life. And and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm seven. And here we are again mm-hmm. in this poverty and, and working and doing all these different things. Mm-hmm. And finally, my mom came back when I was 10. And uh, and she said, we're going to the U.S. And at this time, I didn't believe her. You know, I'm like, <laughs> and when are we coming back? I think, right? right. Um, except again, we did. This was our the, the final time. This, was, this time was a little bit harder. It actually took us two weeks, about two and a half weeks for us to be able to cross the border. Mm-hmm. And, and come to the States. And um, coming to the States, this time though, for me, I felt different. And why I felt different is one, I didn't really know my mom. I mean, I, you know, I hadn't seen her for six, seven years. I mean, yeah. I don't really count those two months as anything, right? Um, and I was really not living with her for six, seven years. And I felt out of place. And uh, the the person that I see as my dad uh, was my stepdad. They got together when, when she came to the st- States. Um, I remember one time telling him like, uh, being very mean to him i said you know what i don't belong here um you're not my father you cannot tell me what to do send me back because i don't belong here because i felt like you know i didn't speak the language i didn't have uh, friends um there were so many different cultures so many different things i didn't fit in except again i had a moment of of reality or or an aha moment that i think many times we, we go through that even now as adults and for me is that i was uh comfortable being poor i was comfortable working i was comfortable not having uh clothing i was comfortable not having money i was uncomfortable yeah i was uncomfortable being in in this great nation i was uncomfortable with the opportunity that was in front of me i was fearful of that and a lot of times we let the the being uncomfortable take away the opportunity that's in front of us Mm -hmm. and i'm glad that they didn't send me back because if it was if that was the case we wouldn't be having this conversation Except again, a lot of times we are faced with things that don't seem comfortable or things that uh, that seem like there's so much fear that right. we just allow that to take away that opportunity. And so, um, so definitely, you know, I, I ended up staying here. Within two years, I decided to uh, to just study, 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 and I learned the language. I started uh, connecting with people, and then um, uh, I think. Uh, but by the time I was in middle school, I, I was like an, a, a straight A student. I was, uh, um, uh, I had a speech for my graduation, so I was doing really good. Right. And then I had another, uh, another uh, lovely moment. I would call it a, 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 another pivotal moment in my life. At age fifteen, I ended up uh, the girlfriend that I was dating. Um, I got her pregnant, and uh, and then I'm thinking to myself, yeah, exactly. It happened. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god, I only been here five years and I'm already doing this. I'm a kid having a kid. And so I had my daughter at the age of 16 and that shaped a whole new, uh, you know, uh, area for me where I still had to be dedicated, working really hard, um, mm-hmm. going to school. I still wanted to stay plugged into school. I got, I was very committed to school and I also was committed to my daughter. And I remember when my daughter was born, I told my daughter's mom at that time, I said, I'm going to make you a promise. And I'm going to make sure that our daughter does not have to work the way I had to work, that she's going to have everything that I didn't have, that she's not going to have to suffer the way I had to suffer. And mm-hmm. I had made that my promise. That became my motivation. That became my why at 16 to be able to continue to work hard and, and go through that. And then sure enough, I did. I graduated uh, uh, with honors from high school, even working really long hours. 
and kind of going through that. And and then I, I kind of got into school and, and kind of went to corporate America. <laughs> so there's so many things there. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't even know what else to ask now at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely an amazing story. Um, yeah, definitely. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, you kind of answered some of this, but I was going to ask you when your mom moved to the United States, you had to start working at a really young age. So what kind of work did you do and how did this experience mold your character? But you kind of answered that with the sewing and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess what was the turning point that led you to pursue higher education and eventually earn your master's degree in business administration? And did you did you face any particular challenges along the way? Yeah, I, I did. I did. I would say, again, I was committed. I wanted to really provide and give uh, a future to my daughter. The, mm-hmm. the whole idea for me is how can I make um, a better living condition for my daughter? I didn't want her to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think, again, I went back to, I'm going to go back to the abandonment, right? You know, I'm good. I didn't have, you know, uh, a father figure growing up. My mom left me. When we came to the States, um, my older brother, he's two years older than me, two and a half years older than me. You, you know, it was really only my older brother, my my grandma, and myself. And, and, and after my mom left, it was like the three of us. And uh, two years into coming to the States, when I was 12, my grandma decided to go back to Mexico. So now I felt like now she left me. Okay, uh, because again, I still didn't know my mom that well. Mm-hmm. Then my older brother, he's very smart, and he got a, a scholarship to uh, a full time scholarship to go to uh, middle, no, to high school in uh, Minnesota. Now I felt like he left me. Oh, so okay. to me, I had all these abandonment issues for quite yeah. some time. And so, kind of growing up, and, and after I graduated from high school and all that stuff, um, I got myself into a couple of uh, challenges. Uh, to where I, I was very angry, a very angry person. I um, ended up uh, uh, having a huge fight with my mother's mom and that landed me in jail for a couple of days because of that physical violence, mm-hmm. domestic violence. And I remember my older brother telling me, you think that all of this is because of the fact that you also had a kid is because you didn't have a father figure. And I, and I still think about it. It could be, cannot be, I don't know. At the end of the day, there was a lot of abandonment issues. And so I think that was one of the turning points for me, that 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 uh, instance, that uh, situation where I had a domestic violence with my daughter's mom. At that point, she actually left me um, and I landed in jail for five days, five, yeah, five days. And, you know, and then seeing my mom and everybody ashamed of me, I think that shaped uh, definitely different things in, in myself. Right. Because, again, I've always been very educated, except I had an anger problem. And so that uh, definitely was a turning point. And, and I said, no, I, I just got to I gotta be better. I got to do better. So I started focusing on school again. Um, I decided to uh, work on myself, too. And then I started connecting with different people. And, and, and that's how I decided to go back to school. I uh, started working um, at Corporate America and different, different types of jobs. And then when I got my bachelor's degree, I decided to leave that so I can concentrate 100% on my work to kind of continue to move up the ladder. And then in my early 30s, I said, I want to go back and get my master's in business administration. And the idea for me is, you know, I'm, I was in a different place. I wanted to be able to take all of that knowledge or everything that I'm uh, learning um, and everything that I've been working on so that I can continue to improve upon positions in corporate America. And so I think that was the turning point to that kind of led me to do that, you know, long term. You know, it's kind of funny because some people, you know, you're always told you should do this, you should do that, and just being told what to do. But sometimes you need, you know, a, they always say everything happens for a reason. Sometimes you need right. that to give you the incentive. Like your daughter, that was an incentive for you to do better than what you had 
you know, maybe yeah. hitting that rock, you know, that between that rock and a hard place is like, all right, I need to better myself. So it sucked that it happened, but in a way you, you took it instead of going downhill with it, you, you turned it around, which is awesome. Yeah. And, and I think we all have, you know, we, we all have a, a decision to make, right. And one of the things that I've learned now is that the, uh, the choices and the decisions that we make today will determine the quality of life that we have tomorrow. And we got to be able to, and if we decide, if we feel like we made a, a wrong decision, then we have to be able to pivot immediately and make a new decision. And so for me, obviously that decision, uh, being angry, going through that fight, that had some major consequences for me that uh, not only did I lose, you know, my, my, my daughter's mom at that time, now my daughter was going to be going be going to live with her. Um, that also, at that time, I was already, uh, I want to say, a U.S. resident. And so that uh, that particular instance, because of that, it uh, took me two extra years than, than what it should have taken me to become a U.S. citizen because there were so much, you know, I have to prove many different things to the U.S. government that that was not me anymore, right? And it took me two years because of that. And so there was a lot of different things. Yet I also realized that one thing that I've learned now too is that, um, you know, our past is just an educational, uh, uh, experience and we got to be able to extract those experiences so that we don't do them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and or those things that serve us, we can do them better, right? Yeah. And so definitely I wouldn't put myself in that situation again because that didn't serve me then. Now I can learn from that and we got to be able to see it from that perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And tell us, the seventh was had a variety of roles from corporate America to real estate investing. What drew you to real estate and what advice would you give to someone looking to enter that field? Yeah, you know, um, for me, I've always got intrigued on, on, uh, on doing something more, right? And again, I think I take it back to when I was a kid, you know, again, growing up and selling at the Swami, then uh, sewing uh, uh, clothing and all that stuff. I think I had somewhat, I think, the, the, uh, the entrepreneurial journey per se, right? I remember when I was in high school, just to kind of make some money, um, I would go to uh, Smart and Final. Uh, I don't know if they have that over there, but they have it here. So, you know, it's like a superstore. And I will get this um, this bag of uh, lollipops, an assortment, right? And I will take them to high school and I will sell them for 25 cents, right? And so it's like just making money. And then um, and then when I uh, finished uh, high school and I went to get my associate's degree in computer networking, I started... Um, you know, advertising my services and telling people, Hey, you know, I can fix your computer. You know, back then, uh, I got very involved with computer and I'm like, or I can build a computer. And so I started selling that service. I was doing, I always did, did something, right? Mm-hmm. At one point I had a, I had a, uh, a company, uh, a, a maintenance, uh, cleaning company, uh, that I was cleaning businesses and things like that. And so I always had that idea. And I remember kind of getting into real estate back in 2005, 2006 where I started kind of building houses, right? Um, and I, I ended up having uh, multiple houses. And then in 2008 to 2009, when the housing market took a hit, well, I went with it and I lost all the houses, foreclosed on my properties and things like that. So again, another major lesson that that, that went through. And so that, at that time, I said, you know, this is not for me. I guess uh, the, entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial journey is not for me. Let me just focus on on, on, on going to uh, to corporate America. And then that's when I went back to school to get my master's. Okay. Well, in, in 2013, uh, I was watching, uh, uh, I, I used to watch um, uh, HGTV and I love their shows and things like that. And I saw one advertisement was like, hey, this, this company is going to be coming to Los Angeles, um, learn, you know, some of the techniques and, 
And I said, you know what? Maybe it's a sign. I got to go back to that. So I went to that show, uh, to, to that uh, to the one day, two hour event. And then from there, I bought into a three day event. And from there, I bought into a mastermind. And I said, okay, I guess I'm already into this. Let me make it work because I already yeah. had invested so much in my real estate. Um, and so I think it just kind of learned, from, it, it grew from that, from the idea mm -hmm. of, of being able to, back in the day, always having something, right? So, uh, so that's how I got involved with real estate, and I was doing real estate at the same time that I was still working my nine to five. Um, my biggest thing is, and my advice to anyone that uh, that whether you're doing a nine to five or not, or you want to uh, venture into your own boss, my biggest advice, and I think it was um, uh, Jim Rohn that said this. You know, uh, make sure that uh, you're working harder on yourself than you do on somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. And so, whatever that might be, whether it's real estate, whether it's uh, writing books, whether it's, you know, starting up your own business, like whatever it is, make sure you're working harder on yourself than you do on anybody else. And I think that's the advice. You know, it doesn't matter which uh, direction you want to take. Mm -hmm. I I, hardly, I I really believe that that's exactly what you need to do. Because oftentimes, even me being in corporate America and, and having a very successful job, I saw many people working there for 10, 15, 20 years that got laid off because now they have to bring new people into the mix, younger crowd. Right. Yeah. And so it's never going to be promised. And, and yeah, maybe being an entrepreneur is also not promised, except you dictate uh, how's your day going to shape right. and you're working hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, same thing, single mom of two kids working 16, 18 hour days because I needed the paycheck, blah, blah, blah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like I wasted my, not, I don't want to say wasted because I got a lot of experience, but it's true. When I see these people who, you know, took a chance and they started something new and they're their own boss and they, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, but I always had that fear of, oh, so people should, you know, focus and you should be number one in anything. And, you know, a yeah. lot of people don't, don't know that <laughs> or don't realize right. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is so that security? Is that security? Is, is that, that fear, right? Yeah. Too? Yeah. You know, I was a single mom with two kids. I'm like, I need the job. I need the medical. Right. I'm so yeah. afraid. And a lot of people get caught up in that, but you know, if you would have taken the chance, what's the worst that would happen? You get fired exactly. and get another job, you know, but people, it's true. The fear dictates a lot of us. And, yeah, yeah, you know. for sure. Now your book, you can overcome anything, even when the world says no, it's incredibly yes. inspiring. So can you share a key story from the book that you believe holds powerful lessons for our listeners? Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that I say uh, at the beginning of the book and, and and, um, and actually, there's also a lesson. Let me actually take you take you back a little bit. A lesson with that book, um, kind of going back to that fear, right? I uh, it was 2018, end of 2018. I had this idea. I was already going to a lot of um, uh, self development e events. I was working on myself um, just because after early late 2017, I felt like I was going through another one of my dark moments. Not because I was doing drugs or anything like that. I just felt like I was not in in, in my true self, and I went through a lot of different ups and downs and I won't say it was a depression but I was not on my on my best and so I started working a lot on my inner self going through a lot of self-development events and at the end of 2018 I had this idea of what about if I write a, a book which is you can overcome anything even when the world says no I said what about if I write a book about my story about the things that I've gone through pretty much what we just talked about here right because I feel like the world, society, people, many, many in, in different aspects have said no to me, you know, in many different ways, right? And I said, what about if I write a, a story? And, uh, and so I was inspired and I said, you know what, I, I'm going to write it. And something happened that I think happens to all of us in many different cases. 
and that is yourself uh, talk. You, you talk yourself out of it. You self sabotage. And so the conversations that I was having, those internal conversations that I was having at that moment, is, "Hey Caesar, uh, but who's going to read your book? You're not a writer. You don't like to read. No one's going to want to buy your book. Like who cares? Why even bother?" I was having those internal conversations and I talked myself out of writing that book because of that. And I said, you know what? You're right. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And, 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 and I really talked myself out of it. And so how many times has that not shown up in our lives where we talk ourselves out of doing something that we feel we should do it, yet mm -hmm. something comes in here, the fear or you never done it or the, uh, the, the fact that you don't have the experience or the mm -hmm. support and then you decide not to do it. Well, that mm -hmm. was me. And then it wasn't until like... Uh, Two months later, mm -hmm. I uh, I had another conversation and I started seeing things from a different perspective, mm -hmm. I, a different lens. And I said, you know what? So what if nobody buys my book? So what if nobody reads it? What if I do it as a self-accomplishment for me, mm -hmm. not for anybody else, just for me? Right. What if I do it so that when I leave this world, I can have something that I can leave behind to my daughter? Mm -hmm. And so I changed the framing in the purpose of why I wanted to do it without mm -hmm. caring about any, anybody else. And, um, and I'm proud that I did because after that, it took me about three months or so to, to get my book, five months to get a lunch. And oh my God, when I was getting the messages and reviews and people that, that I, I see at that time, they were like way higher than me, like doing a lot better than me. They're like, mm -hmm. they were coming to me and say, Hey, I read your book and you inspire me and you've changed my life. In, in, in seeing things different way. I was getting messages from people that I didn't know, like, hey, uh, your friend gave me your, uh, told me about your book and I and I got it and you inspire me. Like uh, this one guy said, I've been wanting to write a book on poetry for many years and because of your book, I'm going to do this now. And so, um, so one of the things that I talk about in my first, in, in the beginning of my, my, my book is, it's not my story that counts, except I want you to utilize my story as a vehicle or, or, or a pathway to help you reach your full potential, right? Mm -hmm. And so the book is really about the, from the moment that I was born to, to about the moment that I had some of my major breakthroughs and all the things that I had to do to really overcome all of the having a baby at, uh, at 15, uh, coming here illegally, uh, being told that I was never going to be anybody, uh, going to jail, like all these different things, yeah. like all those notes from society and people, how mm -hmm. I overcame those and I changed the dynamics in the way that, that I think in the habits more than anything. Some of the habits that I had to do to really change the dynamics yeah. from the things that I listen to, the things that I watch, the, the words that I use, uh, all those different things uh, to be able to uh, have a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think uh, the, the, the biggest thing is um, uh, Les Brown talks about this. And, 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 and that's probably the message here, too, is if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. If you do what is hard, your life will be easy. For me, it was easy a lot of times working 12 hours and being tired, com coming home, uh, getting uh, on the couch, watching TV, or, hey, let's go out and get some drinks or so get some you know, junk food, whatever. That was easy. Yeah, It was hard to say, no, I'm not going to do that because I got to work on my real estate business or I got to work on myself or I got to start reading or I told myself that I'm going to start doing affirmations and I'm not going to watch TV. Like, so if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. If you do what is hard, your life will be easy. Yeah.
you know, it's crazy too, because like, um, you know, like I did something similar where I wrote a book about like all the hurdles and stuff. And like, and it's not that you want to air out your dirty laundry, but it is true. You don't realize how many people maybe don't talk about this situation, but I guarantee you there's thousands of people, millions of people that have gone yeah. through a small portion of what you've gone through. And this helps them feel they're not alone, you know, and it is true when you, a lot of people think their life is so hard, but when they see what somebody else has gone through, you know, that gives them a little reality check of, wow, you know, if he pulled it off, I mean, I stand a chance. So it right. is good. I mean, and I, I appreciate how you're doing it for like a legacy for your daughter and all that. So they give you yes. more credit in the world for doing it. It's awesome. Thank you. Sure. Now, you've achieved the status of a number one best-selling international seller on multiple books. So what's been your writing process like, and how do you decide on the topics and messages that you want to convey? Yeah. One of the things that uh, that I wanted to do, and I call it my highest intention now, right? I feel like I'm in my true purpose and in my true lane, and, and my highest intention is really three things. Number one is to be able to motivate. Number two is to be able to inspire. And number three is to be able to empower people. Right. And with that in mind, I said, what else can I do that I can start writing different things to be able to do essentially those three different things or to an extent, be able to uh, have somebody uh, take something away from any of the books that I do. My faith is that anyone that picks up any of my books, that whether it's a paragraph, a chapter, a sentence or a phrase that is going to resonate with them positively and impact their life positively, right? And so for me, I, I go based on that idea. And um, I started doing another uh, kind of like an ontology uh, book series, also called You Can Overcome Anything. It kind of came out of this, except with different subtitles, right? And the idea is, is exactly that. Part of this is those per that particular uh, group of books. The idea of that is to be able to bring people from all walks of life that are going to share their stories now, very similar to what I went through. Except now we're hearing from somebody in, in Australia, somebody from Mexico, somebody from uh, Canada, uh, and, and hear their stories, their challenges, their struggles, and what they do to overcome that, right? And so we had um, different uh, uh, titles from forgiveness to uh, a definite purpose to clarity, different things that uh, once you have that, the last one was with awareness. Once you are aware of something, right, and you realize that, how you overcame that? And so taking that, I, I wanted to say, okay, well, what, what are some topics or what are some things that I know can definitely impact people and can definitely uh, uh, help them in something that they might be going through? And so uh, taking that information, put it into a book, and now be able to offer this book all over uh, the world. And, and, and uh, to this point, we've been able to have... Uh, the book series as a number one in the US, Canada, mm -hmm. Mexico, and Australia. And mm -hmm. so I, for me, that's grateful to even know that somebody, you know, on the other side of, of the of the country or, or the world is, is is reading the book, right? right? I had people from India uh mm -hmm. reading the book. And I never, never in my life thought <laughs> that somebody will be reading something, you know, uh uh that I wrote that's in the other side, right? And it and it's not about uh, hundreds of people to me what matters is just one person that picked sure. up that and they may not know who i am except there was something they have that book and mm -hmm. there might be something that can can help them so to me that's that's huge uh it's uh it's brought a different joy for for sure yeah yeah i mean like i said you don't realize like what everybody goes through and you know i always say don't judge a book by its cover because people right. just assume everybody's life is easy you're the only one who's having trouble and it's like 90 percent of the world is all having difficulty and 
well, maybe it's bad and this helps them, or maybe it's not as bad and this helps them, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we weren't asking for anything. You're just telling your story. And if people could get something out of it, that's beneficial, you know, even better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now tell me, as an NLP practitioner and life coach, how do you help individuals overcome mental barriers and what techniques do you find most effective? Yeah, so I would say the biggest thing is, you know, as you know, uh, from the ages of zero to seven, and, and I know that from from, from from an experience, right, what you learn and you go through between zero and seven is going to follow you through, through the end unless you work on that. The reason why I got into NLP, again, um, I had, as I had mentioned, you know, I was very angry and I wanted to understand why. Because uh, my mom wasn't an angry person, my 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 grandmother wasn't an angry person, or my brother. It was really me, right? <laughs> and, and I wanted to understand why. And then I also had that going through my own uh, training uh, and, and 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 working on myself. And that's one of the things that I did NLP to work on myself. Um, that's when I realized that that I was having this issue, even though consciously I, I didn't see it. Unconsciously, I was having this issue of abandonment. Right. And it was brought up to me that, yeah, you, you know, you know, every time you're, you're um, going into that inner child, we found mm-hmm. that, that there was that 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 idea of abandonment. And so some of the things that that helped me when I was going through my own journey of healing, which I know has helped people that I work with now is, is being able to tap into um, to your inner child, because a lot of things that happen between zero and seven. Again, if you don't work on those things, they're gonna follow you, even though yeah. you don't realize that. I didn't start working on myself until in my late thirties, yeah. and, and and again, I realize it now it's really that back then. And so for me, I like to also I, one of the things that I do is I like to get a a, a story, right, a, a history of you, yeah. and specifically the first uh, ten years of your life, right. And then once I understand that, then I want to go even deeper into that story. Um, you know, if there was. Uh, parents that left or they got divorced or yeah. you know they grew up in an abusive relationship like try to understand that a lot more deeper mm-hmm. because there's a lot of feelings and emotions that are tied into that and so then once we can understand that then we can start working on those different uh, emotions uh, so that we can uh, start rewriting the pathways in, in your brain right right yeah i mean it's definitely true i mean you don't realize like you know it, it's it's a little crazy but how much everything comes back down to when we were kids and it's yeah. things that you don't really, you know, when you're a kid, you don't remember everything, you know, but it's in there. So, yeah, and covering it all is key to a lot of stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, it's like, you know, the, the it's it's like this one, one thing that I tell people, like you have the conscious mind and the unconscious mind, right? Mm-hmm. The conscious mind is the way we're communicating right now is the logical right. side of, of things. The unconscious mind is um, is nearly like a computer. So whatever you put in. Is gonna uh, spit out whatever you uh, you uh, you put in is going to also stay there as uh, as a storage, right? And so if you look at your computer right now, you might have many files from like mm-hmm. I mean I know I have many files from like five, six, seven, ten years that I haven't even opened yet. They're still <laughs> on your computer, right? right? And until you don't either delete them or do something with them, they're sitting there in the back of your right. computer. It's the same thing for us as human beings. We're storing all this information that perhaps right now logically. We're not utilizing it. It's still there, though. So you got to be able to reprogram that. And so it's just like a computer. Good stuff. Now, your journey has been on resilience and overcoming odds. So how do you instill these values in the programs you offer? And um, what success stories can you share? Yeah, I would say the the biggest thing is is, um, you want to become – so there's nobody you're going to compete, right? A lot of people say, well – uh, you know, we started the same journey with this person and, and that person now 
it's ahead of me by 10 times or whatever that may be. And one of the things that I tell people is never compare yourself to anybody. If anything, look at yourself in the mirror and compare yourself to yourself. And the idea is you want to be able to get 1% better. And that's the true competition. Are you becoming 1% better than who you were yesterday? And when you are able to recognize that and realize that that, that is your journey, uh, then uh, you're going to have a much more successful outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, w- the things that I tell people, in, in my opinion, is is think of, a, you know, you want to go to the gym, right? And you want to have this nice fit body. You know, you want to be fit. Well, you have to watch what you're eating. You need to kind of exercise um, and uh, watch, you know, all of your intakes and things like that. And I said, for you as the body is the same thing. You know, you have to watch what you're watching, uh, what you're listening to, and what kind of programs are you putting into your mind. And so what I would tell people and, and, and anyone that I work with is it starts, in my opinion, first with that, with your mind, right? That thing that's between your two years. And uh, definitely you you want to make sure that that uh, you do a couple of things. Number one, the way you communicate. And we communicate in three different ways. We communicate uh, with our words, the words that we use. That's about 7% of our total communication. We communicate with uh, tonality and we communicate with our physiology, right? And because um, uh, our words are 7% of our total communication, we have to be a lot more careful on the words that we use, how we communicate with other people, and most importantly, how we communicate to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, oftentimes, we're doing something and we realize like, oh, man, I'm dumb. I, I messed this up, right? Mm-hmm. Right away. You already telling yourself you're dumb unconsciously without even realizing and you're programming yourself in such a way. So when you do that, you want to be able to immediately go back to say, nope, cancel that. I didn't mean that. I forgot or do something different, right? Change the wording. And um, I did an article recently about uh, uh, why words do matter and some of the words that you want to be able to get rid of your vocabulary that really are not serving you, right? And so I am more intentional now than before in terms of the words that I use, because I understand the power of that. The second thing that I would do is if you want to start your day uh, in, in a happy place and, and really get your day going, uh, one of the things that I do myself is, one, I get up and I do um, uh, affirmations every day. I do some affirmations, work on those affirmations uh, at least 10, 15 uh, minutes as soon as I get up. Um, I don't really look at my phone. Uh, the first 10 to 15 minutes from the time that you wake up, um, are the more critical, uh, the most critical minutes of, of, of your day. Then after that, I go out for a walk. I like to go out, out into nature, nature, go out for a walk, but I would, whatever you can, if you want to do some exercise or if you want to do some meditation, whatever works for you, except do some sort of movement and or something that is going to center you in, 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 in your life. Um, and then, uh, and then that I, I, I'm old fashioned. I have a, a, a notepad here. Uh, I write things that, uh, that I need to get done for the day. And then uh, I actually do a little square. Once I'm done, I check them off, right? So that I feel accomplished. I want to make sure that I feel accomplished. And then when I go to sleep, I do uh, three things. Number one, um, I uh, uh, I drink some water. Number two, I uh, do more affirmations. And number three, when I go to sleep, I actually put on my phone, like, I am affirmations. And I go to sleep to those things because I want my mind to be constantly programmed at night. And so those are the things that I try to do. And that's what I advise people in terms of best techniques or things that you can do to start 
shaping things around for yourself. And I, you know, it's, it is true about changing your mindset because um, I always say like, I live in New York, so I don't have like the country and all that stuff. Yeah. In it. But I belong to various groups on social media where it's like photography groups. So I mm. see the sunrise, the sunsets, the oceans, this beautiful nature, animals and all that. And it's the first thing I do when I wake up and the first thing I, uh, the last thing I do before I go to bed. And you can always find something positive. You could say, oh my God, you know, the day is horrible. It rained all day. But look at the flowers that are going to bloom. Because like, you can look for the happiness in it or the good stuff. But um, it takes a while because I know some people who are just negative, negative, negative. I mean, their yeah. life is just nothing is positive whatsoever. And it's like only you have the power to change that. You know, you can yeah. you, you can have the worst life ever. But there's right. something positive in there. You know, you can have horrible life. But look at the person who's homeless living in the street when it's, you know, minus 20 degrees. It's yeah, not that exactly. bad, you know. Yeah, so yeah. good stuff. No, yeah, you know, one one other thing that just came to mind about the mind too, right? Um, and this happens to many people, right? When you, you know, I like scary movies too, and you know, yeah. and, and all that. Except here's a here's a good point. A lot of people say, "Well, I had a, a nightmare last night." And sometimes they have a nightmare because the last thing they watched was a, a scary movie again. So, what you program yourself is what you're gonna end up having throughout the night. Yeah. And, and the last thing I will say to that is there's an African proverb that says, when there's no enemy within, there's no enemy outside that can do you no harm. So the minute that you start working on yourself, your inner self, your thoughts, there's nothing else outside that can harm you, right? right. And so I, I believe the the mind can make you or break you. And the biggest thing, it came to us for free. There's no extra cost. Right. You got it for free when you were born, except it's way underutilized. <laughs> Good stuff. Now, I guess, can you tell us about the self-development events that you host? Like, what can participants expect, and how do these events impact their personal and professional lives? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I got I got involved with them again, uh, I think, uh, primarily the self-development in 2017. And uh, and now I, I, I am, uh, I've been so involved with a particular group, and I do different ones, but this one is the one that I do, is my primary one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a two-and-a-half-day event. And uh, I'm now grateful to be one of the coaches. So I'm there to help support people. Look at your long-term goals. Um, we look at, you know, what are the things that you're trying to accomplish in the next, next six to 12 months? Um, what might be holding you back? You know, what what are the thoughts that are going through your head, right? And so uh, this particular event, this particular event, um, I would say there's several things going to be learning. Number one, the the influence and the power of the mind. Why, again, words are so critical that things you got to do to really reprogram the unconscious mind um, to get better results. We also talk about sales, sales techniques and how to be more influential so that you can get people uh, that either you're doing business with or even just, you know, friends or things like that, that they see you on a different perspective. You're more influential. We're always selling, whether it's your, to your kids, to your husband, wife, you're always selling an idea, right? And so how can you become more influential in that in that sense? And then we also talk about the velocity of money, how money has to move hands uh, uh, from one to another for your economy to grow and everybody else's economy to grow. And then we talk about relationships, uh, uh, building relationships, not only with uh, business partners, also loving relationships and how to, uh, how to foster those relationships, right? And then uh, one of the biggest things that, that we do there, we do a couple of mind uh, uh, exercises or, or I call them mind triggers, right? The physical exercises where, um, when you go through that exercise, you're probably telling yourself, like, I'm not able to do this. You know, this is too hard, right? Except when you do it, 
and even though you you deal with fear and you actually went through it, you realize, wow, I didn't think I could do this, except I did it. And so I always ask people, when else is that showing up in your life? Where else does that show up in your life? Where do you think something so difficult that you cannot do, yet you're able to do it? And one of the exercises is is, is people being able to eat fire, right? So they actually take a torch and we they we light it up and they eat fire. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have that fear of putting that in their mouth with, with right. you know with fuel and fire. And and as, and again, once you go through that and you realize that you actually were able to do it, it's like, man, what else am I telling myself that I can't mm-hmm. do when I know I can do it, even if I'm fearful? Right. And so those are some of the uh, the things that, 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 that people can have. We had some major breakthroughs and people come out with uh, 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 many pages of, of notes and say, hey, this, this has changed my my way of thinking, my way of doing. Uh, it's funny. There was a lady that um, that I met at the event probably uh, maybe about six, seven months now. Uh, no, it's probably going to be more like 10 months. And uh, she came uh, the first time and she was a little bit overweight, except again, she didn't realize that she was unconsciously programming herself um, by calling herself fat. Like she was making fat jokes so that her family wouldn't make the jokes, you know, and she wouldn't feel that bad. So she would be the person like, oh, yeah, I'm fat or whatever this might be. Right. So that, again, she she triggered that and nobody will will make more more fun of her, except she was uh, unconsciously programming herself. And when she came to the event and then she realized that words do matter and she changed that. Part of that helped her lose a lot of weight because now she starts seeing things from a different perspective and right. she lost like 40 pounds. Right. And so she was actually in one of my books and, and talks about that same story on how that really shaped her herself. So, right. uh, so yeah, many people have many different breakthroughs. I think people come from for different reasons and because it's not necessarily tailored to a, a particular business or industry, whether it's real estate or insurance or whatever that might be. It is really tailored to just uh, uh, mindset and growth business growth in general. So a lot of people have different breakthroughs for sure. Wow. Yeah. A lot of times you need that outside person to see things because we don't see it ourselves, but you can have right. an outside person who just having a casual conversation could be like, I don't know if you are aware, but you keep saying this or you're doing this. Or did you realize that your, your emotions are this? They're like, wow, no, I didn't. And you kind of take it from there. So that's good that people are actually looking for the help because so many people, you know, don't. And, you know, they're, they're suffering because of it, you know, but they have to right. know that there's help out there. And like you said, look at what I've overcome. You know, if I could do yeah. it, you could do it too. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, so now tell us, as a father and a grandfather, what legacy do you want to leave for your family and how do you plan on achieving it? I would say, you know, for me, I, I want I want uh, my daughter and, and, and my, my, my grandkid to be able to see, like, you know, I was a fighter. Like, I never gave up. and, and I uh, I always uh, persisted on, on becoming bigger and better, right? And and if anything, I want to be able to leave that behind uh, more than anything. All the teachings and and I think part of the journey that I'm doing now and the fact that I where I came from and where I am now and and everything that I've done, putting that together and and being able to leave that for them, I think the best uh, thing that I can leave them behind is not any amount of money because I don't think that's the the, the answer. I think this is, is the amount of effort and the amount of knowledge that I can give mm-hmm. them and, and, and hence why I wanted to write that book, right? right. And so um, for me, being able to leave that behind and seeing, be an example to them, like this right. is what my dad did or my grandfather did. Uh, and, and therefore, I want to follow that. And I think to this point, I, I'm doing a good job on that. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of my, my daughter. She's, she's, she's definitely doing good for herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, how I want to accomplish that 
is by staying truthful and authentic to myself yeah. and, and always being honest and, and always being able to um, show her, you know, who I'm truly are. So if I'm going through a down moment, be able to, I want her to be able to see that, um, you know, not, not be able to lie to her and, 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 and be able to, for her to recognize that we all go through those, you know, it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. And so I want to be able to just be truthful and, and authentic and always be there for her, regardless of whatever might be going on in her life. Nice. I have an actual amazing story. It's so much going on. <laughs> but that's yeah. awesome. You know, I mean, it's good that you don't hide your past, you know, because yeah. it's, you know, I did that for the longest time. Like I said, people judged a book by its cover and they said, yeah. oh, she's got it all. Life is handed to her on a silver platter. It's like, you have no idea. And it helps people to, one, look up to you now because they don't, you know, if they just thought you had life handed to you and they realized how hard you work to get to where you are, that's awesome. But yes. the biggest picture is that you realize so many other people are going through s similar stuff and it makes them feel not alone. And then you right. kind of lean on each other. And, you know, I think nowadays in today's world, people being a lot more open and honest about things, it's starting to, you know, make a lot of people feel that, okay, I'm not alone in this, you know. So other people have gone through this too and they can learn from you, you know. And, yeah, and education no. number one, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, de definitely, and, and and you know, I, one one of the things that I would say, wh whatever it is that you're you're doing, whether you're going to, I'm not knocking traditional education because I have a master's. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I might see it a little bit different just because of of the journey that I've taken. Now, mm -hmm. the biggest thing though is you want to educate yourself, whether it's through traditional education or non-traditional, which what I consider yeah. to be non-traditional books, mentors. Yeah events, you know, all of that. That's not traditional. Yeah. Like always learning, keep learning. I believe that the minute that you stop learning, you start dying, right? Yeah. Because you feel like there's no sense of of, of, of uh, life in terms of that. So yeah, always educate yourself as much as you can. Read, listen mm -hmm. to podcasts like this. Like you're always going to find something that, that can help you become better. The mind is a muscle. Use it or lose it, you know? Exactly. I mean, I've seen that with like my grandparents, you know, dementia. The minute yeah. they stopped doing crossword puzzles or just stopped you know, keeping their minds going, it just went downhill from there. So, yeah, yeah. People listen. <laughs> yes, definitely. Nice. So, tell us how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, the best way that you can get a hold of me, you can go to my website, www.cesarrespino.com. And then that's probably one of the best ways. Actually, in every social media, Cesar <laughs> R. Espino, or just Google my name, Cesar R. Espino, and you can find me there. Okay. I'm going to include it on here too. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. So thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Cesar, Cesar Espino. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.